Support this show and all of the work in the Heartland Pod universe by going to heartlandpod.com and clicking the Patreon link to sign up. Membership starts at $1 per month and goes up from there with extra shows and special access at the higher levels. Heartlandpod.com, click the Patreon link, or just go to Patreon and search for the Heartland Pod. No matter the level you choose, your membership helps us create these independent shows as we work together to change the conversation. All right, welcome back to Let's Have a Chat on the Heartland Pod, and I have got Mika Solner. She is back on the pod. Uh, Mika joined me back in the summer. I think it was like June or July uh, to talk some talk some politics. Uh, Mika is a reporter with the Washington Times uh, based in D.C. And so she's got she's got all the good stuff. And that's that's what we want. So Mika, thanks for taking the time this evening to join me. And how's it going out there? Thanks for having me on again. Um, it's a little chaotic out here, but uh, it's going well. <laughs> and you, of course, the 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 Heartland connection is uh, you're an MUJ school alum, yes. so very cool. Yeah. So yeah. fellow fellow Tiger, and uh, always fun. Yeah. So i I don't even know where to start with DC right now because I think I think I got to save. No, I'm going to start there. George Santos, is it just eating up all the bandwidth right now? Like, is anything else coming through? Are you in the group of people standing outside of his office door? Like, what is going on? Yeah, so I feel like George Santos has kind of become the elephant in the room for the GOP. Um, So I have not been one of the reporters standing outside his hall, which has been welcomed with, you know, dozens and dozens of reporters asking (laughs) if he's going to resign, asking him, you know, what it's like. I mean, I can't even imagine because I'm in contact with some of the staff, but I can't imagine how difficult, uh, you know, it would be to kind of navigate that the first week for him. (laughs) first couple of weeks and seeing him on the floor last week um you know trying to interact with people i mean i'm sure it's very difficult but also with just it's also puts people in a tough position when um he's not necessarily directly answering a lot of these questions so (laughs) um i think it's gonna eventually become a question for the entire republican party that they have to answer and obviously he also did help now speaker mccarthy get his gavel Right. Um, so, you know, that's also kind of the other elephant in the room is, yes, um, he was controversial when he started because of a lot of the discrepancies in his history that he has said. And, and I guess we could just say straight up lies that he told. Um, I was going to say that was very of, a reporter to call them discrepancies. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I call them what they are. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it's it's um, he, I think he's a challenge for the party at the moment. Yeah, that's a that's a polite way to put it. Yeah, I mean the the group of reporters outside of his his uh, you know office, it looks like the cardinal conclave or something is going on inside, and we're like waiting for the new pope to, to be announced. It's really kind of amazing to see the interest. But I guess I guess in a, in a town like that, where I mean, am I crazy to think that it's not much different than it is here in Missouri at the Capitol, where as much as much policy and process talk as there is, the gossip has got to be just as, you know, wide ranging and and loud. Yeah, well, I feel like gossip runs 
<laughs> runs Washington DC sometimes. <laughs> but no, no, just to just to just to say matter of fact, yeah, I think I think uh now Congressman Santos, because he's been sworn in, uh, will be challenging for the Republican Party to navigate. And I think it's going to depend. Um, we did see a couple of the members in his own party uh, demand that he resign today from his delegation in New York. I think yeah. one person was from a neighboring district. So we're going to see if more of those calls are being called. But again, um, it puts it puts people in a really difficult and challenging position too to literally ask for a resignation of someone of their own party, someone who, you know, would have been seen as a major trailblazer. He would be like the only openly gay Republican in the party. Right. He, he would have had a, you know, maybe a very different kind of um, presence in the party uh, if it hasn't been for some of these controversies that are surrounding him. Um, and also to ask for that in a time when they have a very narrow majority, a four-seat right. majority. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, he is a very big challenge for the party. Right. Especially when you consider it's a district that, uh, you know, the Democrats probably feel like they could have won. And, you know, in a special election after something like that would probably throw it, you know, you can imagine the resources that would go into such a special election in a time like this. So that that certainly has to make it even more of an intrigue, I would imagine. Yes, definitely. Um, so, you know, I guess we'll have to see what happens with him. So other than Santos, uh, other than, than that juicy little tidbit, um, What's the what's shaking up to the top? So we're recording this on January 11th. So by the time that you are listening to this, you know, news cycles change. uh, But some of this, you know, a lot of this stuff is just starting. So I imagine what's happening right now will probably be, you know, sort of bleeding into next week. So what's the thing that you're hearing the most about? Because like right now, you know, today on the 11th and it was mostly IRS agents. Right, the eighty-seven thousand IRS agents. But that seems like just noise to me. Like it doesn't seem like that big of a thing. You know, whatever's passed by the House has to be passed by the Senate. So whatever kind of a thing. Uh, it, you know, is there is there more going on than that, or is that sort of dominating right now? Yeah. So. Republicans have been in charge for, you know, less than two weeks. They've already passed the bill that you just mentioned to stop funding for the 87,000 IRS agents. Uh, Today, they passed a resolution to condemn violent attacks on pro-life organizations and churches um, that are promoted anti-abortion policies. Um, You know, yesterday, they decided to to go ahead with some of these committees that they want to do to uh, investigate and take a harder stance on China, um, as well as a new committee that would look into the weaponization of federal agencies that would fall under the Judiciary Committee, which is obviously going to be run by Congressman Jim Jordan. Um, So we're seeing a lot of movement right now. I think the weaponization committee is going to be one to look out for. Obviously, that's been one of the big campaign promises by the Republican Party to uh, investigate the Biden administration. I think that's their biggest opportunity to kind of if they want to try and, and, you know, quote unquote, hold accountable um, the administration and, and some of the allegations that have been brought forth by the FBI and other agencies in terms of maybe targeting people who they, you know, what they believe is that they're targeting conservatives. Um, that's probably going to be their biggest weapon tool is looking at that, the jurisdiction there. Um so you, you're saying that, uh, you know, some of this is messaging. Um, a lot of it is messaging right now. 
Right. Um, but I think it's very similar to also some of the bills that came under Democratic leadership as well. Um, yeah, and I yeah. think that's just problems with with naming bills. And then a lot of the stuff that's in the bill isn't really um, <laughs> necessarily what it is named after for. Sure. So, and that was actually a push by one of the Republican lawmakers to stop naming bills things that they aren't actually used for, which yeah. um, personally, I think both sides would agree on that. Yeah, there there do seem to be some things bubbling up like that one and, uh, you know, forcing forcing Congress to actually consider individual spending packages or individual bills on things rather than, uh, you know, 17 things all wrapped together and then poof, you know, here we go. And well, I like 14 of the 17, but the other three are really bad, but I have to vote for it because of the other 14 things. I mean, I imagine that's got some 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 popularity you know even if even if the democrats maybe won't vote for what they're trying to do that that's got some popularity yes yeah i would agree um i think the parties really the republican party is really trying to unify after kind of a chaotic first week uh with the speaker vote so i think they're really going to be on board with the agenda and you know one of the questions that i posed to several members during the whole speaker debacle was you know is this really going to affect what your agenda is actually going to be even if kevin mccarthy doesn't end up being speaker which he obviously is now but the answer was no from everybody that i asked was the agenda was already set a majority right. leader scalise had already set there was already bills that were being proposed and the first two weeks of um majority was already you know in place so it would have been the same thing that we're seeing now just with delay so i think that people are pretty on board with what they want to do is kind of bring forth a conservative agenda um holding the biden administration accountable and curbing federal spending were you in the room for the uh the verbal altercation with matt gates and Lauren Boebert and Kevin McCarthy and a couple other folks. Support this show and all of the work in the Heartland Pod universe by going to heartlandpod.com and clicking the Patreon link to sign up. Membership starts at a dollar a month and goes up from there with extra shows and special access at the higher levels. Heartlandpod.com. Click the Patreon link or just go to Patreon and search for the Heartland Pod. No matter the level you choose, your membership helps us create these independent shows as we work together to change the conversation. Yeah, so I was in the room for most of the <laughs> for most of the week. Um, I would say please I enlighten of, us. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you asked that question. So, um, you know, one of the the best parts I think about the last week was kind of having this bird's eye view of the chamber that. Um, you know, the rest of the country wasn't. So I had the privilege to kind of have that view and be able yeah. to kind of see who's interacting with who, what kind of discussions are happening on the floor, who's huddling. Yeah, as good as C-SPAN did, there's no way that we were getting everything, all the little side stuff that you were getting. Yeah, although I was happy that C-SPAN finally got the appreciation it deserves after all these years yeah, no doubt. for the transparency. But um, yeah, so it was really interesting to kind of see how heated things were getting and kind of the changing of people's reactions and, and, and McCarthy's reactions too throughout the week. And it seemed like there was a lot of frustration in the beginning that seemed to turn around as, as things. And you can see these negotiations happening on the floor too with people talking to some of his um, his 20 holdouts you know, and some of McCarthy's allies going up to them, like literally on the House floor and trying to negotiate uh, what it looks like. Um, you know, I'm not an expert lip reader, but if, you know, <laughs> I, but that would probably make me a lot better at my job. But, uh. um, you know, I can only make up people's facial expressions and things like that. But, um, you know, it's really interesting to kind of see the tension and how it ebbed and flowed throughout the week and then the excitement too when it finally happened. 
So on the facial expressions, would you describe them on the whole, you know, the average facial expression during that week, uh, incredibly frustrated, monumentally frustrated, completely pissed off beyond belief. So I think it it started off, um, everyone was excited, right? Because we're back. It's, sure, like, it's who's new. McCarthy going to get it. Who's going to oppose him? You know, nobody yeah. knew yet who these other, the, we, we knew the public ones, but we didn't know the people that were privately opposing him. So there was a lot, it was like having a laugh track in the chamber, I would say, where people would be like, <laughs> oh, like when someone would like say someone other than McCarthy. But then, um, you know, as the week went on and we went through 15 rounds of this, <laughs> we would slowly um, start to see a lot of people on the Republican now get very frustrated, particularly at Congressman Matt Gates, who, you know, at one point nominated Donald Trump for House yeah. Speaker. Um, I think, um, yeah, nominated him, voted for him. And then later uh, he's nominated Jim Jordan multiple times, despite him having no interest in the position. Um, so I saw them, you know, talking a couple times on the floor. Um, and then, yeah, toward the, the, the last round when I think he was actually interrupted in his final nominating speech, where I think he nominated Mr. Jordan again, uh, he was interrupted by Congressman Mike Bost of Illinois. It was, <laughs> inaudible but you know there's a lot of frustration him just saying you know this is really not productive is kind of what he was uh trying to say and then you know i think obviously the most heated moment was the alter almost altercation it seemed that like alabama congressman uh mike rogers seemed to charge at gates um on the house floor i think that gave a lot of interest but um yeah, I mean, it was interesting just to kind of see this boiling point. And, it, you know, at the same time, I think what was really intriguing about that was just seeing the frustration and the um, annoyance pointed at you know the remaining McCarthy holdouts, but also uh, Gates making a speech and getting applauded by Democrats when he's calling Kevin McCarthy a squatter in the speaker's office. <laughs> so, I'm, um, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of uh, interesting moments, to say the least. What's the sense of you, you touched on this this committee that's going to be uh, spearheaded by Jim Jordan to uh, investigate the weaponization? Has anybody brought up the incredible irony of this committee that's going to be investigate like weaponized to investigate Hunter Biden and a lot of like just very axe grindy grievance type stuff as being you know just just insanely ironic that they're going to have this thing that's going to de-weaponize the government while doing the thing that they're saying they don't want to have happen is that is that bubbling up yeah i mean that's something that democrats have definitely touched on um and i talked to now ranking member jerry nadler yesterday who was talking about how he you know he he obviously doesn't believe in the weaponization or the politicization of these federal agencies um so it's going to be really interesting to see him and um jim jordan work together i try to uh push that question to jim jordan (laughs) about working with jerry nadler and his comments but he just kind of um well, he, he has a runoff, but he kind of laughed at the notion. So it seems that both sides are pretty mutual on how this is going to turn out. But, um, you know, I think that, though, that they, the Republicans are really playing on to um, these whistleblowers within the FBI. And they've been mm-hmm. really preparing for that while they were in the minority is some of these allegations. Because I know that they're really concerned about maybe particularly um, how Merrick Garland might be approaching, you know, certain organizations, people who have spe- specific ideological beliefs, um, pro-life organizations and things like that that have gone after and i think it's a big concern and one of the big concerns that was brought up by republicans too um is that they were putting the january 6 cases above other cases within the fbi so 
so they think that that's a bias so I think this is definitely a case that they've been making and that they've been shaping and that they're really prepared on um but you know Democrats are obviously have been pushing back and saying that they think it's political um and then when they do that Republicans just kind of push back and say that a lot of the things that they did were political as well so yeah. um it is it is a balance there Kind of, kind of interesting to say that the January sixth stuff getting getting elevated is somehow political. And that's like saying that the fire department spraying water on my neighbor's house that's on fire, even though mine's not on fire, is unfair. Like it just seems seems a little bit odd. Um, but uh, I won't make you I won't make you put a foot down on that. Um, so scale of one to ten, how bipartisan he does it feel right now? You know, optimistically, I think that there's p potential for this Congress to have more bipartisanship than would be expected. Is that um, just because of I, the split in the government right now? Like because we have one chamber with one party, one chamber with the other and a Democratic president? No, I, I would say um, specifically in the House, um, I think that there could be movement on veterans issues. There could potentially be some bipartisan room to look at DACA um, and that kind of immigration reform. Um, China, I think it's going to be the biggest issue where there could be, you know, room for a lot of bipartisan leadership on that issue and kind of being a united front, um, which would be helpful for national security, you know, writ large to kind of see both parties coming together on that issue. Uh, Speaker McCarthy gave a a speech on the floor yesterday, uh, welcoming Democrats actually to his office about this new committee on China saying, you know, if they think anybody in his party is being partisan to come to him and talk to him about it. Um, and I think that was very mutual. And, and that was actually a committee that was voted on overwhelmingly by both parties. So I think that was promising. Um, so I definitely think that there's areas um, and, you know, there's probably other areas too like maybe it's not going to be like the biggest issues when it comes to government spending um and then the obvious cultural culture war differences that both parties have but i think mm -hmm. that there's definitely room for both parties to come together and pass substantive legislation that might possibly have the potential to pass the senate i don't think it necessarily has to be two years of just stalemate yeah you you uh published an article today uh on the washington times about the fentanyl uh, issue. Uh, what What's going on there? What can we expect to see? Yeah, so fentanyl is an issue that um, Republicans have been vocalizing for a while, and they think that's also that also could be an area where they really want to work with Democrats on. But today, yeah. in particular, they um, had hosted um, a family who had lost their child to fentanyl. And, you know, I think the issue there is that it's becoming so rapidly, you know, uh, you know, a rapidly major national issue, and there's been increasing deaths related linked to fentanyl. Um, and I think the goal that some of the lawmakers today were saying, and some of the people that came and spoke on Capitol Hill, uh, is that they really want to change the narrative around that in terms of saying, you know, it's not just people, or they don't want it to look like it's people who are, you know, quote unquote, irresponsible or you know, addicted to drugs or or making poor decisions. It's it's they, they want to make it seem like it's it's poisoning and you never know. And it, it also could impact anybody. Right. Um, and so they're really trying to change the narrative around fentanyl and mental health. And it's like, you know, why are people turning to these things? Right. Um, right. You know, what's happening? So it's kind of opening up that conversation. I definitely think that's something that can be said across the aisle, too. Uh, final point I have that I wanted to hit on, uh, you, you know, you're a, come from the, the Midwest with some of your, you know, your upbringing and went to Mizzou. Uh, Missouri Congressman 
Jason Smith has been named to uh, the chair of the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, is that a, is that surprising? Uh, you know, as somebody who's in D.C. and has some of this insider information, it, was that a surprise or was that kind of expected to see him rising up? And does he seem to have some, you know, some momentum within the party? Um, I don't know if it was surprising. I think that the Ways and Means chair was definitely up in the air, but uh, Jason Smith was also the top spoken on, on the Budget Committee last right. Congress, so I think he had a lot of experience kind of in that realm. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that, you know, it's really good to get some, you know, personally speaking, you know, I was excited to see some Midwestern representation, Missouri in particular. Sure. So, um, yeah, I don't think... I don't think it was surprising, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what he wants to do. I think, um, you know, he'll probably take a lot of his experience from his past Congress onto his new, uh, his new leadership role. Excellent. Well, Mika, thank you very much for your time. Mika Solner from the Washington Times. You can find her, uh, WashingtonTimes.com. She is uh, out prolific. I mean, you publish a lot so uh go 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 check her out over there uh and uh how can folks find you uh, social media uh yeah you can follow me at twitter it's at mika solnar dc um and then you can always just find my articles on the washington times but you know you can i think best way to reach me is just via twitter and i'll keep you updated on everything that's happening on my very good mika thank you so much for your time thanks for jumping back on the uh, heartland pod and Good luck as you get into the 118th Congress. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. The Heartland Pod is a production of Midmap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a podhead or an official Podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.